0: Welcome to the State of Business with the Ohio Society of CPAs. I'm Jessica Salerno, Senior Content Manager at OSCPA, and this is the show where we bring you the latest news impacting the business and accounting world from top experts. Today, we're taking some time to highlight valuable insight we've had from recent podcast guests, specifically around career management. These episodes have continued to be popular over recent months, and in case you didn't get a chance to listen to them the first time they were published, We're bringing back some of that can't miss content from those episodes. We're kicking things off with our discussion with Kim Radisson, founder of KKR Consult, on the value of knowing your worth when navigating your next promotion negotiation. In the episode, Strategies for Negotiating Your Next Promotion, Kim covers where people make mistakes during these negotiations, how often to ask for a promotion, and much more.
1: My background is in human resources, and so I spent a decade negotiating salaries with many individuals, both those who we were hiring in new to the organization and those who were being promoted or were just having their annual review and What I found um, is typically and again i hate I hate to stereotype or generalize, but typically speaking men were much more likely to go into a promotion or into a salary um, discussion and negotiate for themselves and really kind of be a champion for themselves and stating why they deserved uh, what it is that they, they felt they should be compensated. Where I found women in general were more likely to accept whatever it was that was offered to them and kind of accept that as gospel truth of this is what my value is to an organization. And what I found the more time I spent, not just within my own organization, but looking at other institutions and other HR departments, is that there wasn't really the set parameters of this is exactly what this person is is going to, you know, what their salary is going to be. Um, there's there's definitely Kind of generalizations and, and where we tend to, uh, you know, what to pay someone for a position, but there's not as hard and fast of a, a salary, um, that will be offered as what I think most women think there is. If you're not in a union environment, then there's a lot of flexibility with with what pay can be or with what benefits can be offered. There's so many things that can be negotiated that women just never realize. Um, And if we look at something as we're asking something, it's almost like, you know, I, I have five children and, you know, they ask me permission to do things. We're not children when we're out in the workplace. So, it's one thing to, to ask and hope for permission, and it's another to look at our worth and our value and to negotiate to achieve what it is we feel we should be making. Um, and one thing I do want to talk about when, when we're talking about negotiating for your next promotion, it's not always just compensation. Um, I often recommend women, especially those who might be moving from one organization to the next. What I hear a lot of times is they'll say, well, I really don't want to make this move because I've I've earned so much vacation pay at this point. Or, you know, I have this benefit that's taken me time to earn over the years. There are so many benefits that can be negotiated. Um, Now, some things don't have as much wiggle room, maybe when you're talking about 401ks or things that are are regulated, you know, through the government. But vacation time is something that you can absolutely negotiate. Um, there's, There's a lot of things that are on the table that I think we don't always realize is even a possibility for us. So when we change the wording from asking to negotiating, there's kind of a, a change in the power dynamic of how we view that situation. So don't automatically think that the power lies with your supervisor, you know, with the hiring individual. This is, it is truly a negotiation. It's a very even playing field and we need to recognize that.
0: And what would you say someone should have prepared? going, you know, I love that mindset, the negotiation perspective. Now, what should someone have prepared as they are about to go in with their manager and negotiate their promotion?
1: It is really important that you understand the industry that you're in, that you do some research as far as what salaries are typically paid for someone um, within your geographic area, within your specialty, for your years of experience, So spend some time doing some homework and finding that out. There's so many tools, as we know, available online where we can really determine what salaries should be. Um, Also, it's not out of the question for you to talk to other individuals within your profession if they're willing to share with you what their salary is. Um, You can ask people questions. You can have conversations with others. Some people tend to be very closed-lipped about it. That's okay. Um, But others will be willing to share with you. If it's not even maybe exactly what they're making, they might be willing to share with you where they think you should be as an individual based upon your years of experience um, and what specialty area you're in, if they have some experience uh, within their organization uh, of individuals who might be in in similar positions. So definitely do your research and, and see what is available out there. It doesn't hurt to talk to other organizations to interview, to have offers made to you. Um, that doesn't mean that you're 100% going to be leaving the current organization that you're in. That doesn't mean you have to accept an offer just because it's made to you. But it is important to really know what the field is like out there, what offers really are being made. And it's very hard in a negotiation if you bring something concrete um, for the other party uh, to uh, to really look at it and, and – and not look at the validity of that offer that's being made. And, and then to, they almost have to come back and be competitive if um, they almost have to come back and be competitive if you're bringing a counter offer to them from another organization. So I would definitely say spend the time doing your homework, find out what else is out there to make sure that you. First of all, you're not completely out of line, you know, maybe with what you think you should be paid, Um, but just so that you know that you are asking for something that's fair and that will help you to gain confidence as you're negotiating as well, because you've done your homework.
0: If you haven't considered putting yourself up for a promotion, something that you've also most likely looked to grow are leadership skills. In the episode, How Working with Horses Can Reveal Leadership Abilities, I spoke with Celia King of Aarons McSwain, a consultancy that helps businesses and individuals with leadership and team building. In addition to private sessions at the office, Celia offers professionals an opportunity to work with horses to gain a new perspective on their development goals. Uh,
2: It sounds strange, especially for people who've never been around horses. They're like, no. I I have a friend of mine who's a therapist and some years ago he got a job at a an agency where they do equine assisted therapy and he was telling me about it and I thought, Oh, this is really interesting. I'm I'm not a therapist, I'm not a counselor, but there's gotta be some overlap for how to do this because the thing about working with horses is that they're herd animals. Like everything about them is ultimately about team i mean they don't think about this stuff they're horses they have horses for brains they're not trying to teach us things they're just being themselves um and a thing happens to somebody when they're around a horse you have to you have to figure that horse is trying to figure out where you fit in the herd dynamic are you the leader or not and so you can teach some horsemanship skills like if a horse leans its head in we kind of want to think it's cuddling. It's not a horse is trying to get you to move your feet away because if you move your feet away then the horse says, "Oh, I'm the leader here."
3: Mm. But if
2: you don't move and you get the other the horse to move like, "Oh, you're the leader." And it there's nothing at stake for them. It's not that they have an emotional um weight in it, but it it matters what you do and your ability to to engage in that. So anyway, he was teaching me about all this stuff he was doing with his his clients, and I I found some places to get trained, um, started my training process. I did not grow up with horses, and I I would not say that I'm a horse person. Well, I am now, but um, I partner with Pegasus Farm, which here in Stark County is a really well-known therapeutic riding facility, okay. but they have a second property where they work with veterans. And, and that's where I do my work. So we have a herd of six horses, and I have an equine professional on site at all times, and then we co-facilitate these sessions. Okay. So their job is to work with the horse, to teach the horsemanship skills. Um, my job is to help the client connect what happens in the arena to what happens in the boardroom when they get back.
0: What is people's reaction to these um when they're in it, especially, you know, with maybe their coworkers or others, how do they kind of react to, especially the element of horses?
2: Um, It depends on how the leader has presented it. So -hmm. that's another reason I would always, when I'm working with a group like to have the leader out to have their own session and have a chance for them to work through the things because the, the first emotion people have when they get out there is, is fear. I mean, this is a large it's a large animal. What do I do? How do I act? What are you going to mm-hmm. see about me? It's an intimidating thing. Right. So getting the leader to sort through that for themselves helps them explain to people. These are the activities we'll do. We'll groom a horse. You'll learn to lead a horse and then we'll do some exercises. Um, when you're working with groups and you know this about any any team building experiential education element, it's always a matter of finding that sweet spot. You know, the outdoor ed talks about the uh, green light, yellow light, red light piece. Mm -hmm. You can't learn anything in the green space. You can't learn anything in the red space if you're too freaked out. Mm -hmm. We're always trying to find that. I want to make you just uncomfortable enough to pay attention, Mm -hmm. uh, but, but I don't want to freak you out. In fact, this, this was a CPA. He came out, he came out and did a few equine sessions with us and He's the kind of guy who like, oh, my client's got a problem. Boom. I'm on it. I'll help. I'll help. I'm, I'm right there. I'm right there. I'm right there. Mm-hmm. He's working with a horse and um, he's leading the horse. And when you, do you have any experience with horses, Jessica?
0: Um, I rode one in Girl Scouts many years ago, but that's about it.
2: Okay. So, if you're leading a horse and you have them on a lead rope, and that's where we start. So they've got a rope attached to a halter clipped under their chin. That's a typical way uh, to work with horses. And you're standing beside the horse's head, and you both step off to to, to 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 walk forward together. You have to have very clear intent. You need to be looking where you're going, and you have to have your energy set at a at a pace that makes sense for walking and assumes that horse is coming along with you. Mm-hmm regularly what people do in this situation and this is just standard this is this is how we learn you say okay let's walk and then immediately the person turns to look at the horse like you coming but the way that horses work when you stop and turn that's a that's applying pressure for them to stop and so a lot of times they'll just sit and stare at you and like aren't you coming (laughs) what do you want me to do so there can be that So we worked with this guy, and he was getting the horses to walk with him, which was great. Mm -hmm. But this one particular horse kept leaning his head in and coming into his space, Mm -hmm. and the accountant just kept giggling. We're like, "That's 1,200 pounds. Are you going to keep letting them in to come into your space?" And the horse isn't trying to attack. They're they're flight animals. They're not they're not aggressive in the sense of "Ooh, now it's my chance. I'm moving in on you. Moving in on you." They're Mm -hmm. just trying to figure out who's who's in charge and so this particular horse likes to check in a lot with that and and the thing that you would need to do is just put your hand up and they'll they'll even see the hand and be like oh okay it's Mm -hmm. it's not it's not even a major response you have to give but it is a consistent response Mm -hmm. but this horse keeps coming into his space and he keeps stepping out stepping out and he wasn't even able to realize that that horse was moving him and so that was where we started with him we had to keep letting him know, no, the horse is moving you. Oh, oh, okay. Well, I just want to be a nice guy. I'm like, You can be a nice guy and, and have a, a clear set boundary. So so that's one way that that works because a horse, um, a horse doesn't care what your degrees are, doesn't care what your income is, doesn't care your job title. Mm-hmm. It's just trying to figure out how to move along. And so there are other people in his life that have told him all of his life, yeah, you're you're passive-aggressive. You're a pushover. And then all of a sudden you get mad and fight back. I'm like, well, the horse is showing you that at every step of the way. Mm-hmm. And so that gives you some permission to talk about things or actually gives people a chance to understand it in, in a new way. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think of another story that would really <clears> – <throat> we had a here, – here's a, here's a good story. We've got um, – one of our clients is in public transit. What a time to be managing public transit, isn't it? And so um, everything. this was early on in the pandemic. And so what they were trying to do is figure out how to get public transit still running because so much of their clientele, um, a major part of their clientele in this particular county are people trying to get to dialysis. So you've got people with compromised immunity needing to get to medical care literally to save their lives and everybody's trying to figure out what to do. And everybody's hyped up and tense. And so we had a, um, we had a, a tarp on the ground and the horse, you know, a horse for brains is like, is that a black hole that I'm going to fall into to my death? I don't know what this is. And so the horse didn't want to get anywhere near it at all. And this <laughs> is a client we've been working with for a long time. So she would be more advanced. And so we had her walk the horse around the arena at the, Wide edges with the tarp in the middle and he kept looking at it, looking at it, looking at it. And it took, um, it took 45 minutes for that horse to get to the place where he was comfortable enough to stand next to the tarp. He didn't even stand on it. That would have taken more progress. Mm -hmm. And so by virtue of this client slowly, slowly, slowly getting the horse to take a step closer and she would pull on the, um, Pull on the lead rope just till there was tension, not, not hauling on it. Pull on it with tension. And as soon as the horse would take a breath and offer any relaxation, she would drop her pressure and stop the pulling like good, good, good. Cause every little incremental piece of, of taking the pressure off of the horse for the progress is what's needed. And so she had this realization that this is what leading public transit is right now. Like I'm, I'm trying to talk people into it. at this point, wearing masks. It was early on, like, okay, are we all going to wear a mask? Well, that really is freaking people out because you can't see faces and this. Uh, So she was realizing I need to go in small increments. And every time I see something that's helpful, I need to back off, not add more pressure, just just relax it.
0: While some people are exposed to accounting early on, some children never have the opportunity to learn more about what the profession is like. Adrian Mays, CPA, hopes his children's book about accounting will not only entertain, but inspire the kids who read it. Mays, a tenured associate professor and department chair of accounting at Howard University, wrote, When I grow up, I want to be an accountant, a picture book that allows children of diverse backgrounds to see themselves on the pages and learn about the accounting profession. Adrian's work highlights the importance of exposing diverse children to the profession and how rewarding it can be to follow your passion.
3: Just encouraging that people are uh, wanting to make sure that we have diversity, equity, and inclusion in the account kind of profession. But beyond that, to see that um, for our children, I just, I just it just um, it hit me a little different. I, I I didn't expect like that's the emotion that I felt uh, through the whole process. I didn't. And I just thought that, you know, oh, this is, you know, something great. Uh, it's a great contribution. I did think that, you know, the book would do well. I did think that, you know, people would be interested, but it, it just has been so much more than I could even have imagined. Um, and it, I just feel like it's starting conversations. It's re, restarting conversations. Um, it's allowing people to say, Hey, what can like what can I do? Like and I'm saying like, you know, do it do it your way. Do it like how do you see, you know, you know, engaging students? Like and that's the main thing. Like how how do you how are we gonna engage students? How are we going to expose them to the profession and what we what are we going to do to keep their interests and to retain them, you know, throughout the you know curriculum uh, from k-12 through you know college uh keeping them and engaging them through their profession as they you know hopefully are promoted through the ranks um in the profession so i just think it's just again it's it's exciting i would say it's just more than i've I've, i could ever dream of
0: that is so exciting, and with um you know with the response and uh everything that you just mentioned, do you have plans to write any more books in the future
3: yeah so there um yeah so there there are other books uh that I am working on, and there are other um, the other material and products that I'm working on again, I just think that it's so much that we can do and i I said recently in um, in a article that you know i I think that we should see counter in you know t v and you know books and movies, and you know there should be you know tons of youtube videos and just everything that you know every other industry has, like you know why don't we have it you know even if that's you know I don't know toys like how can what kind of toys can we have you know that would you know get students or children interested in accounting. Like, I think there's just so much that we can do um, just as far as, again, the exposure and the engagement. So, yes, to answer your question, uh, there are there will be other books and there will be other products that I'm working on.
0: And do you have any advice for maybe other um, account CPAs who are listening to this and they're thinking? that they're interested in uh, reaching more diverse students and, and, you know, exposing them to accounting?
3: Yeah, so I think you just, I mean, the best thing that we can do is to let someone know that it is a career path, to let them know uh, some of the exciting things that they have experienced, Um, you know there's so many of us that you know are in the profession like I just don't see how we don't have um, more people and I just think that maybe we we don't you know tell our stories um, enough or maybe our stories are just not you know being you know broadcasted or um, put on a you know platform or a uh, you know a megaphone enough so it can be heard, but, uh, just telling your story, letting people know your experiences. I had a great conversation with, um, a young, uh, accounting professional the other day and just hearing his story, I was like, wow, like, I, like, I, like, you should just, you know, uh, you should write a book, like you should, you know, tell your story and, Again, things like that, we're going to read somebody, everybody can relate to someone. So, you know, it may be for me, this children book, it may be for you writing, you know, your life story, uh, but it's all important to connect with each other.
0: Thank you to our interviewees for taking the time to share their insight on skills and perspectives to help improve your career and the profession. What would you like to hear in a podcast episode? you can let me know at jsalerno, J-S-A-L-E-R-N-O at ohiocpa.com. And if you were interested in hearing any more of the guests that we highlighted in this episode, go to the show notes and click on the episode link. And please rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. We love to hear your feedback. Thanks for listening.